When Mark tells us the story of Jesus, he says that it all began with a preparatory preaching and, and of, of, of John the Baptist. John introduced Jesus as, as, the, as the Messiah on, in the River Jordan through his baptism. And as soon as he was done, Jesus began a very popular ministry of preaching and healing. But John, he was arrested shortly thereafter. And we, and when we read this text, we wonder, whatever happened to John after he was arrested? Well, our gospel lesson for today tells what happened to John. King Herod heard of it, for Jesus' name had become known. Some were saying John the baptizer had been raised from the dead. And for this reason, these powers were at work in Jesus. But others said, it is Elijah. And others said, it is a prophet, like one of the prophets of old. But when Herod heard of it, he said, John, whom I beheaded, has been raised. For Herod himself has sent men who arrested John, bound him, and put him in prison on account of Herodias his brother Philip's wife, because Herod had married her. For John had been telling Herod, it is not lawful for you to have your brother's wife. And Herodias had a grudge against him and wanted to kill him, but she could not. For Herod feared John, knowing that he was a righteous and holy man, and he protected him. But when he heard him, he was greatly perplexed, and yet he liked to listen to him. But an opportunity came when Herod on his birthday gave a banquet for the courtiers and officers and for the leaders of Galilee. And when his daughter Herodias came and danced, she pleased Herod and his guests. And the king said to the girl, ask me for whatever you wish and I will give it. Now he must have been drunk. And he solemnly swore to her, whatever you ask me, I will give you even half of my kingdom. She went out and said to her mother, what should I ask for? She replied, the head of John the baptizer. Immediately she rushed back to the king and requested, I want you to give me at once the head of John the Baptist on a platter. The king was deeply grieved. Yet out of regard for his oaths and for the guests, he did not want to refuse her. Immediately the king sent a soldier of the guard and ordered, with orders to bring John's head. He went and beheaded him in prison, brought his head on a platter, and gave it to the girl. Then the girl said to her mother, gave it to her mother. When John's disciples heard about it, they came and took his body and laid it in a tomb. Here ends the reading. Thank you, God. In the name of Jesus, amen. Last Sunday after worship was over, I walked out of the back door uh, by the offices. Uh, I sat in my car, I put my key into the ignition, I turned my car on, and I drove all the way home all by myself. It's so impressive, I know. Probably not the Pulitzer Prize winning story to write home about, but when I did get home, I needed to make some lunch. While I was eating lunch, I decided to watch some Netflix. So I opened up the Netflix app on my television and saw that I only had three episodes left in the series called Merlin. Now, if you haven't heard of the show Merlin, it's a show about King Arthur and his servant Merlin, who is the great magician. 
It is filled with magic and medieval castles, knights and druids, and oh, so many English accents. But the thing that stands out about this show is just how bad it is. It is truly so bad. The acting is terrible, the effects are worse, and the plot line has no substance at all in it for about two seasons. Yes, you heard that right. Two seasons, two seasons of a terrible plot line that goes absolutely nowhere with basically the same structure to every show and the same dialogue time and time again. Like seriously, Gaius, we know it was sorcery. That's kind of the point of the entire show. Anyway, after I finished watching those three episodes, I sat there and thought to myself, yep, that was exactly as bad as I remember it being. And I sat here for way too many hours watching five seasons of a truly terrible show. But then, something incredibly different flashed across my screen. You know how Netflix, if, if you watch Netflix, it starts just randomly playing some trailers on the home screen to keep you watching more and more things? Well, the trailer for the comedian Hannah Gadsby's new next Netflix special called Nanette started playing, and it hooked me in instantly. If you haven't heard of this yet, and you haven't seen it yet, go watch it. If you don't have a Netflix account, go find a friend who does, because this is a show that absolutely must be watched. I do give you this recommendation with a disclaimer. Hannah Gadsby is great, but she's a little rough around the edges. Her, explicit, or, or, uh, her content can be a bit explicit, and she uses some very rough language. So just be aware as you watch that is not appropriate for all ages, but it is still a show that must be watched because, friends, I was so deeply moved and so deeply inspired by what she had to say in that special. See, I had no idea of what to do with the story of John the Baptizer this week. No clue. I mean, really, it is the epitome of bizarre. So as we heard last week, as Madison uh, came to talk to us about, and she did a wonderful job, and if you didn't get to hear her preach, go check it out on our website. Highly recommend it. She did a great job. Last week, we began chapter 6. We began this chapter in Mark with Jesus being rejected in his hometown. Jesus is rejected for teaching in the synagogue. He is rejected out of hand simply because the words that he is proclaiming should never be matched with the background of someone like him. So Jesus is rejected, and then Jesus sends out his 12 disciples on a mission to go to towns and villages to heal and to cast out demons and gives them the permission to shake the dust off of their sandals if they are rejected in those towns. But once the news of these healings begin to spread, many had begun to believe that it's perhaps John the baptizer who was doing those things, that John has been raised from the dead, and even Herod agrees. He says, John, whom I beheaded, has been raised. Well, now Mark's got a bit of a problem because John the baptizer, remember him? Yeah, well, um, turns out he was beheaded. Oops, kind of forgot to mention that part. So we pull the emergency break on this whole Jesus story, and we go back to this bizarre story about that other strange guy called John, who was thrown into prison by Herod because Herod's wife was not at all happy with the things John was saying, sound familiar, and found himself 
John found himself in that all too common predicament of, well, having his head cut off, which is so relatable. After a long time of hearing again and again that Herod should have never married Herodias, who used to be Herod's brother's wife, so no family problems here, Herodias finally had her moment of revenge. Now, I am clearly not a girl in ancient Israel, nor am I a mother. But in what world does a daughter go to her mother asking for help and deciding what to ask the king to give her? And the mother says, how about the head of this man? And the little girl is just like, okay, sounds great. That's exactly what I'm going to ask for. Like, I really have to wonder if this poor girl knew what she was getting herself into. Like, I, would, I wish I was there to see her reaction when the guard was just like, here's a head on a platter. Gross. And seriously, how could she have possibly felt at seeing her mother so pleased at receiving this severed, disgusting head on a platter? If it were my mother, I'd never be able to look at her the same way again. This is a strange story. We have to admit this. This chapter in Mark is filled with people who are all trying to speak a truth and who are all trying to speak what they believe is good and right in the name of Jesus Christ and the God of Abraham. And if I'm being honest, don't think I'm crazy, but I really do think that this story of John's beheading is incredibly relatable. More so, perhaps, than Jesus' rejection and the disciples' potential rejections that would cause them to shake the dust off of their feet. See, I was inspired by Hannah Gadsby's comedy show because she hits on a really important truth in this show. She says, stories must be shared and truths must be spoken. Stories are the things that should unite us, and it is only by sharing our truths together, interpreting them together, and understanding each other's perspectives that we can ever grow in understanding the world we live in. Our home, our family, our friends whom God has created, to put a theological word on it, witness. We must witness with each other to how God moves and loves and guides and works in our lives and in all of God's creation. See, John was a different kind of character in ancient Israel. He lived in the wilderness and worked to prepare the way for this Jesus figure. He told the truth of his very existence in this world to everyone he met and was thrown into a cage for it, was eventually beheaded for it. He was in every way different, an outsider. Those who heard his message, they didn't witness to how God is moving in his life, but instead they threw him into a cage. And is this not what we still continue to do to this day? Do we not continue to throw people into cages simply for trying to get people to listen to what is happening in their lives? Every day more and more people are thrown into cages for having the nerve to say that their story is important and needs to be heard. And yet what is even more infuriating to me is that we cast out those who are crying in pain and hunger. We cast them out in the name of upholding some perceived reputation of a select few. 
We care more about the power and money of the privileged few than we do about the actual person. A perpetrator perpetrates because of power and money. The victim is cast out usually because they don't have power or money. The simple fact is that we tend to reduce our capacity to exist as children of God to how much power we possess or how much money we have in our bank accounts. Our story today should help us see that words, in fact, are important and stories are important. Our truths must be shared and it is not anyone's job to silence those truths, to silence that story or that perspective. And indeed, no reputation is worth the death of a fellow sibling in Christ. I'll give you an example, and I hope you will humor me, because I'm going to get a little personal here. Earlier, I told you about me watching Merlin, that truly awful, terrible show. Yes, it was an attempt at being humorous, to have a funny setup to how I got to watching the net. But what I didn't tell you is why this is actually the third time I have watched this series all the way through. Merlin was born with magic, and many of the characters in the show feared magic. They were so afraid of it that they killed anyone who may have even been suspected of having it or using it. However, many believed it was a choice something that was taught to people of ill will to be used against the kingdom. Magic was therefore inherently evil, and the people who practiced it were a threat to society and should be deeply ashamed, forced to be hidden and ridden from society because they were not appropriate for public life. I can resonate with this show because I I am constantly told to be hidden from society, not always explicitly, but whether out loud or in the passing undertones of the public, the message is always the same. I am not appropriate. See, I am a 25-year-old, gay, confessional, politically moderate Lutheran, and if you don't know what all those words mean, that is totally fine. That's not the point. See, I am told by most communities that I have found myself a part of that I am not appropriate, that I'm not Lutheran enough, that I'm not gay enough, I'm not straight enough, I'm not liberal enough or conservative enough, I'm not young enough or old enough, you name it, the list goes on and on and on. Every day, I am reminded just how insufficient I am, and every day, I am thrown into a cage of shame and fear and of utter rejection because I'm different, and I know that. However, instead of helping me discover together how God moves through me and through the people around me and how God continues to create this incredible narrative of God's love and grace for all, I am instead hit again and again and again with accusations of imperfection, and I am cast away. This is my story. It's very real, but it's not unique. There are so many people out there, and maybe even many of you who are gathered in this very room today, who feel cast away after any attempt to speak our truth and to ensure that our story is heard. John the baptizer was thrown into a cage for the truth he came to share. And friends, I beg you to agree with me that nobody 
that nobody, please hear me, that nobody deserves to be thrown into a cage. No one deserves to be forced into a cage, whether it's of bars or shame or fear or the closet or anything else that keeps us from being children of God. No one deserves to be forced to feel inappropriate or unacceptable because in the eyes of God, all people are beloved. All people are loved children and all people are called to live in the light of day in society and in relationship with each other in the kingdom. No exceptions. The story this morning is strange and it's gruesome and I still can't believe Pastor Scott made me preach on it. I'm fairly certain he looked ahead and said, I want absolutely nothing to do with that. But in reality, this story is shockingly relatable. After being rejected by our peers for sharing our truths, it's sometimes not as simple as just shaking the dust off of our sandals. Yes, we need to do that. It's a good reminder for us. Shake the dust off of our sandals when we are rejected. But we know that it's not that easy. It's not always possible because we can feel shame. We can feel fear. Perhaps we will feel like we are cast away forever. Maybe we'll even be thrown into a physical cage for our story. Or maybe, God willing, I hope not, but maybe we would even be beheaded for sharing our story. Our story together here in this room is also the story of humanity. Because of Jesus Christ, our very existence is tied to God's, and so we are tied to one another. Because of Jesus Christ, our cages can come down. We can break free from those, from those cages. On the cross, Jesus broke the chains that enslave us. We can live free from our cages, and it is our sacred calling as disciples to witness to God's story being acted out in the lives of our neighbors. By witnessing and interpreting together the stories of the lives of those who are most in need will be validated in the cages that prohibit all of us from living into our God-created selves will be destroyed forever. This, friends, this is the taste of the feast to come. This is the taste of the kingdom of God, which is here already, right now, surrounding us every day, ready for us to enter into it fully and freely. As Hannah Gadsby says in her comedy, hindsight is a gift. Would you stop wasting my time? Great line, great line. These stories, all of them, They are a gift to each of us because they give us the hindsight to learn from. They teach us what it means to be human for ourselves and for one another. And so, friends, I ask you this morning to use this precious gift of hindsight that we have been given through this story. Stop looking at the world and the people around you through the lens of reputation or the lens of a legalistic perfectionism that does not exist. Instead, look at your neighbor with love and care. Look at the world around you with wonder. Let's discover together what God is up to this very day in our lives and in the lives of those around us. And most importantly, invite people along the way. 
Don't try to do this alone. We can't do this alone. It is through our relationship together. It is through this family together that we support each other in the work that it has done. Because together we uplift each other. Together as a family gathered around this word and this sacrament that we go out to see how God's love is already at work. We go out to see how God's love is already at work. So let us go now. Let us go see that love. Let us go see how God is working in people's lives. And instead of throwing people away into cages, instead of beheading them for the things they say, I beg of you to ask, what is God up to today? Amen.